Chapter eighty one, part five of the Adventures of Peregrine Pickle, volume two by Tobias Smollett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Memoirs of a Lady of Quality, part five. Some there are who possibly may wonder how I could love twice with such violence of affection, but all such observers must be unacquainted with the human heart. Mine was naturally adapted for the tender passions, and had been so fortunate, so cherished in its first impressions, that it felt with joy the same sensations revive when influenced by the same engaging qualifications. Certain it is I love the second time as well as the first, and better was impossible. I gave up my all for both, fortune and my father's favor for the one, reputation, friends, and fortune for the other. Yet notwithstanding this intimate connection, I did not relinquish the world all at once. On the contrary, I still appeared at court, and attracted the notice and approbation of my royal patroness. I danced with the P of W, a circumstance which so nearly affected Mr. S, who was present, that in order to manifest his resentment, he chose the ugliest woman in the ball for his partner and I no sooner perceived his uneasiness than I gave over with the view of appeasing his displeasure. Without repeating particular circumstances, let it suffice to say our mutual passion was a perfect copy of that which had subsisted between me and my dear Lord W. It was jealous, melting, and delicate, and checkered with little accident, which served to animate and maintain the flame in its first ardency of rapture. When my lover was sick, I attended and nursed him with indefatigable tenderness and care, and during an indisposition which I caught in the performance of this agreeable office, he discharged the obligation with all the warmth of sympathy and love. It was, however, judged necessary by the physicians that I should use the bath waters for the recovery of my health, and I set out for that place, glad of a pretense to be absent from Lord Hmm with whom I lived on very unhappy terms. He had, about nine months after our marriage, desired that we might sleep in separate beds, and gave a very whimsical reason for this proposal. He said the immensity of his love deprived him of the power of gratification, and that some commerce with an object to which his heart was not attached might, by diminishing the transports of his spirits, recompose his nerves and enable him to enjoy the fruits of his good fortune you may be sure i made no objection to this plan which was immediately put into execution he made his addresses to a nymph of drury lane whose name as he told me was mrs rock she made shift to extract some money from her patient but his infirmity was beyond the power of her art though she made some mischief between us and I communicated my suspicion to the Duke of H., who intended to have expostulated with her upon the subject, but she got intimation of his design, and saved him the trouble by a precipitate retreat. After my return from Bath, where Mr. S. and I had lived happily until we were interrupted by the arrival of my husband, his lordship expressed an inclination to be my bedfellow again. In this particular I desired to be excused. I would not be the first to propose the separation, which, though usual in other countries, is contrary to the custom of England, being unwilling to furnish the least handle for censure as my character was still unblemished. 
yet when the proposal came from him i thought myself entitled to refuse a reunion to which i accordingly objected this opposition produced a quarrel which rose to a state of perpetual animosity so that we began to talk of parting my lord relished the expedient agreeing to add three hundred pounds a year to my pen-money which by the by was never paid and i renounced all state and grandeur to live in a small house that i hired at carshelton where i passed my time for two months in the most agreeable retirement with my dear lover at length i was disturbed by the intrusion of my lord who molested me with visits and solicitations to return pretending that he had changed his mind and insisting upon my compliance with his desire i exhausted my invention in endeavours to evade his request but he persecuted me without ceasing so that i was fain to capitulate on condition that he should immediately set out for france and that he should not presume to approach my bed till our arrival at calais we accordingly departed for that kingdom and far from infringing the least article of our treaty his lordship did not insist upon his privilege before we reached the capital of france meanwhile i began to feel the effect of my passion in a very interesting manner and communicated my discovery to the dear author of it who would not leave me in such an affecting situation but took the first opportunity of following us to france in our road to paris we stopped to visit chantilly a magnificent chateau belonging to the prince of conde and there met by accident with some english noblemen to whom i was known the prince and his sisters invited me very politely into the gallery where they sat they complimented me on my person and seemed to admire my dress which was altogether new to them being a blue english riding habit trimmed with gold and a hat with a feather they were particularly well pleased with my hair which hung down to my waist and pressed me to stay a fortnight at their house an invitation which i was very much mortified at being obliged to refuse because my lord did not understand the french language i was enchanted with the place and the company the women being amiable and the men polite nor were they strangers to my name and story for mr s calling at the same place a few days after they rallied him on my account when we arrived at paris the first thing i did was to metamorphose myself into a frenchwoman i cut off my hair hid a very good complexion of my own with rouge reconciled myself to powder which i had never used before put on a robe with a large hoop and went to the tuileries full of spirits and joy for at that time everything conspired to make me happy i had health youth and beauty love vanity and affluence and found myself surrounded with diversions which were gay new and agreeable my appearance drew upon me the eyes of the whole company who considered me a stranger but not a foreigner so completely was i equipped in the fashion of the french and when they understood who i was they applauded my person with the most lavish encomiums according to their known politeness after having made a circuit round all the public places of entertainment in paris i was introduced into the company by an english family residing in that city and among others became acquainted with a french lady whose charms were remarkably attractive the duke of k was her admirer but she lived in reputation with her mother and an agreeable sister 
whose lover was the Prince of C, for almost every lady in France has her Amal. With this charming woman, whose name was Madame de la T, I often made parties of pleasure. The Duke, Mr. S, she and I, used to meet in the Bois de Boulogne, which is a pleasant wood at a small distance from Paris, whither the company repairs in the summer season for the benefit of the air, and having amused ourselves among the groves, embarked in his grace's equipage, which was extremely elegant, being a calash drawn by six fine long-tailed greys adorned with ribbons in the French taste, and thus we were conducted to a little enchanted, or at least enchanting, palace, possessed by the duke at one end of the town. The lower apartment, appropriated to me, was furnished with yellow and silver, the bed surrounded with looking-glasses, and the door opened into the garden, laid out in a cradle-walk and intervening parterres of roses and other flowers. Above stairs my female companion lodged in a chamber furnished with chintz. We supped all together in the saloon, which, though small, was perfectly elegant. The company was always good-humoured, the conversation sprightly and joyous, and the scene, though often repeated, still delightful and entertaining. At other times Mr. S. and I used to pass our evenings at the palace of the Prince of C., which His Highness lent us for our accommodation. The apartments opened into the gardens of the Luxembourg, and were, in point of magnificence, suitable to the owner. Thither I used to repair in a flaming equipage on pretense of visiting, and spent the best part of the night with him who was dearer to me than all the princes in the world. While I was happily engaged in these ravishing parties, my little lord was employed in his efforts to recover his health by restoratives and I know not what, for he still lamented the enfeebling effects of his passion, and complained that he loved me more like an angel than a woman, though he strove to govern his affections according to the doctrines of the Christian religion as he regulated his life by the maxims of Charles the Twelfth of Sweden. The meaning of this declaration I could never learn, and indeed I have been often tempted to believe he had no meaning at all. Be that as it will, I found my size visibly increasing, and my situation extremely uneasy on account of the perpetual wrangling which prevailed between us in consequence of his desiring to sleep with me again after we had parted beds for the second time and that I might no longer be exposed to such disagreeable persecutions, I resolved to leave him, though at the hazard of my life. Thus determined, I went to the British ambassador in a hackney-coach, and, in order to disguise my youth, which might have prepossessed him against my judgment, muffled myself up in a black hood, which, as he said, instead of lending an air of gravity to my countenance, added a wildness to my looks which was far from being disagreeable he had been a gallant man in his youth and even then though well stricken in years was not insensible to the power of beauty this disposition perhaps rendered him more favourable to my case though he first advised me to return to my husband but finding me obstinate he undertook to serve me in my own way and procured a protection from the french king by virtue of which I could live at Paris unmolested by my lord. Nevertheless, he advised me, if I was determined to leave him, to make the best of my way to England and sue for a divorce. I relished his opinion, and concealed myself about three days in Paris, 
during which I borrowed some linen, for, as it was impossible to convey anything out of my own house without suspicion, I had neither clothes for my accommodation nor a servant to wait on me. In this solitary condition I took the road to Flanders, after I had put my lord upon a wrong scent, by writing a letter to him dated at Calais, and travelled through an unknown country without any other attendant than the postillion, being subjected to this inconvenience by the laws of France, which are so severe in some particulars, that if any person had been apprehended with me, he would have suffered death for going off with a man's wife though any man might go to bed with that same woman without fear of incurring any legal punishment i proceeded night and day without intermission that i might the sooner reach flanders where i knew i should be safe and as the nights were excessively cold i was fain to wrap myself up in flannel which i bought for the purpose as i had no clothes to keep me warm and travelled in an open chaise while we passed through dreary woods quite remote from the habitations of men I was not without apprehension of being stripped and murdered by the postillion, and in all probability owed my safety to the indigence of my appearance, which might also protect me in two miserable places where I was obliged to lie before I got out of the territories of France. For as I could not reach the great towns where I intended to lodge, I was under the necessity of putting up at little wretched hovels where no provision was to be had but sour brown bread and sourer cheese, and everything seemed to denote the dens of despair and assassination. I made shift, however, to subsist on this fare, uncomfortable as it was, confiding on the meanness of my equipage for the security of my person, and at length, arriving at Brussels, fixed my quarters at the Hotel de Flandre, so well known to the English sense, where I thought myself extremely happy in the accomplishment of my flight. I had not been two full days in this place, when I was blessed with the sight of my lover, who followed me on the wings of love in pursuance of the plan we had projected before my departure from Paris. Here we concerted measures for proceeding to England. I hired a tall, fine leisurois for my maid, and setting out for Ostend, we embarked on a vessel in which Mr. S. had bespoke our passage. Our voyage was short and prosperous, and our time most agreeably spent in the company of my dear partner, who was a most engaging man in all respects, as I dare say my Lady C. has since found him. I assumed a fictitious name, took private lodgings in Poland Street, retained lawyers, and commenced a suit for separation against my lord. I communicated the reasons of my elopement to my father, who was shocked and surprised at my conduct, which he condemned with expressions of sorrow and resentment. But the step was taken, nor did I repent of what I had done, except on his account. In the morning after my arrival at London, I waited upon the Lord Chief Justice, to whom I complained of the usage I had received from my lord whose temper was teasing, tiresome, and intolerably capricious. Indeed, his behavior was a strange compound of madness and folly, seasoned with a small proportion of sense. No wonder, then, that I, who am hot and hasty, should be wretched under the persecution of such a perverse humorist, who used to terrify me and scold at me the whole night without intermission, and shake my pillow from time to time that I might not sleep, 
while he tormented me with his disagreeable expostulations i have been often frightened almost out of my senses at seeing him convulsed with the most unreasonable passion and chagrined to the highest degree of disgust to find by repeated observation his disposition so preposterous that his satisfaction and displeasure never depended upon the cause he had to be satisfied or disobliged but on the contrary when he had most reason to be pleased he was always most discontented and very often in good humour when he had reason enough for vexation while i lived in poland street i was engaged with lawyers and so often visited by my father that i could not dedicate my whole time as usual to my lover nor was it convenient that he should be seen in my company he therefore took a small house at camberwell whither i went as often as i had an opportunity and maintained the correspondence with such eagerness and industry that although i was six months gone with child i have often by myself set out for his habitation in a hackney coach at eleven o'clock at night and returned by six in the morning that i might be in my own bed when my father came to see me for i concealed my amour as well as the effects of it from his knowledge and frequently took water from the bridge that my motions might not be discovered nothing but the most passionate love could have supported my spirits under such vicissitudes of fatigue or enabled my admirer to spend whole days by himself in such a solitary retirement End of chapter 81 part 5